I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the fifth element. Well, I highlight fifth in hip hop, which is knowledge. Just remember all caps when you spell the man name. Ding, ding, ding. don't use all caps you get you get dragged uh, i've never done it but I, i've seen it happen to people and and i wouldn't wish it upon anyone i wouldn't want it i wouldn't uh, uh wish for it but worse than it exactly man you've got to use all caps it's essential <laughs> got to use all caps. Got to. Has, to, has to be done you can't do you can't you can't live life without spelling it all caps all right it's just just how it's just how it's done don't yeah. even don't even question it. it's just, just it is what it is just the other question. one uh, no caps doesn't exist it's not it's not even a real thing people will be like what are you talking yeah what you is no about? cap no cap doesn't even <laughs> never heard of this person before who's this new rapper <laughs> doom <laughs> <laughs> oh you mean doom people you mean doom all right you fucked oh, up you mean bro. doom <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, I thought you were talking about a completely different person. Yeah, Who, no, who's no. Doom? Yeah. Oh, you mean Doom? That's what, yeah. that's what you mean. Uh, hi Ben, <laughs> how's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? Well, my week's going poorly because Tottenham are losing to Brighton right now, and we lost to Liverpool midweek, <laughs> and we're terrible now. What happened to us? We used to be good, and now we're terrible. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. Following football is just a mess at the moment. But um, I got into some good music. Charlie put me onto Arlo Parks. Collapsed in sunbeams, and uh, now I can put you all onto her because this album is just a really warm piece of music, and the lyrics, like I don't know, man. It, Charlie said they sound. I don't want to step on him too much, and here's what he's gonna say, but I definitely got the feeling of like um, a bit of Regina Spector or a bit of Lisa Mitchell from this, like very poignant and existential lyrical content two people i've never heard of so i think you're safe (laughs) okay well you know the indie crowd will will know what i'm talking about if we have any indie listeners you guys will know but um yeah yeah. she does honestly i was just like that i was like i wanted you to listen to it because i knew you'd know people that sounded like her and i was just like i know there's people like this but yeah i just don't know any names so no super indie it's good that you know it was that i don't know how else to describe it like mid of architecture and helsinki kind of stuff and it was really um what what she seems to do is she makes really complex or you know difficult emotions really accessible so she just puts them into quite you know uh layman's terms i guess uh definitely on the mm. the song hurt i felt that of course the song black dog uh it's just a really beautiful album it's very delicate and i enjoyed it a lot i really did enjoy it, it was like a breath of fresh air yesterday especially i've only been listening really to hip-hop and electronic music lately so listening to that was was great uh, Alchemist dropped Carry the Fire, which is a super, super short, uh, it's a beat EP, so it's kind of like a beat tape, but it's only 10 minutes, and I felt like there was a lot of ceremony and tension in this project. Every song genuinely felt like it was building to something. It had like fanfare and excitement. Uh, it kind of gave me this thought, because you know it has that aesthetic of like, I, it felt like Just Blaze in the 1930s. Because it had that muted quality and that kind of warm, like old vinyl quality, it was really great, man. I, I really liked it. I, obviously, I wish it were a lot longer, but I guess you know it's kind of when underground British electronic musicians used to drop like EPs and 12-inch records in the 90s, 
pretty much every other weekend and it was kind of keeping their name in people's minds and and keeping up their relevancy and Alchemist I don't think has ever dropped a bad beat I've never heard a bad Alchemist beat and this is just typically on that level just very very consistent very solid then we got Madlib Sound Ancestors so we got Alchemist and Madlib both dropping solo work uh, within a day of each other and I think you know this is probably just because we did Dilla the other week but I got massive donuts vibes from this like the call felt like a carbon copy of working on it uh, with regards to the sample, the energy, the insistence. Yeah, it had that kind of feel. And then Madlib just goes into these like widely diverse directions. Like Loose Goose is like a techno beat that could have been on a Buster album. Dirt Knock is like this boom bat piece with an R&B component. And then, of course, Two for Two, which has Four Dilla in the title. So I feel like, you know, he, he certainly had Dilla in mind while he was working on this. Working on it. The way the samples are used... And the time signatures, the artwork even. Do the artwork even looks a little bit like donuts. And I just, I thought this was a great project. You know, it was like 8 out of 10 kind of stuff. I don't think that Mad Lib needs to, you know, reinvent himself every time he drops a project. Because he set such a high standard for himself now with so many different artists. It's a very high bar to hurdle. And I feel like he doesn't really have to try anymore, you know. He, he can just kind of put out whatever he wants and... I, I don't know this is I just really enjoyed it I've listened to it at least three times I think just back to back to back and it's yeah I really I really enjoyed that so thank you Madlib for that uh Fredo money can't buy happiness not Fredo bang Fredo uh this was executive produced by Dave and this is my favorite hip-hop album of 2021 so far man the production on this is brilliant mm. It punctuates every single bar like it really does. The first track has that meek mill quality about it, like his voice and his energy and his emotions. They rise as the subject matter gets more tense and, uh, you know, more inflamed. And it kind of explodes in the end into some pretty intense imagery. The whole album isn't like this, though. You know, there were some really diverse moments like uh, Do You Write, like his flow and his vocal tone on that, you know, is, is really different. He pulls Summer Walker into one of the hardest tracks the last 12 months. That was a crazy with that sample. That song was amazing. Um, I can't recommend this project any higher, man. It's a really amazing piece of music. And I'm probably going to be listening to it all year, I would imagine. And then finally, The Voice Deluxe by Lil Durk. Super solid, as usual. That track with Lil Baby, uh, Finesse Out the Gangway, I think it's called. Man, Lil Baby is at the peak of the game right now. His, his technique is just wild. But it showed that Dirk may not be as equal right now, but he's very, very close. You know, it was it was really, really solid song, and Dirk held his own on that completely. And I really do think that Dirk deserves all the praise he's getting right now and all this commercial success because he's he's hitting every new song on here. It's a seventy-two minute album, and the whole thing is engaging and interesting. So that's really hard to do. So shout out to Little Dirk. That was a great project. So I enjoyed everything I listened to this week. What about yourself, Charlie? That's, uh, that's interesting. I, I was uh, I'm quite surprised by the uh, Fredo uh, praise like that, to be honest. Like, oh, really? I've, I, 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 I didn't peep it, but um, oh. since you gave it so much, so much high praise, solid, I, man. I actually and give it Dave, a spin. Dave's on there. It's it's a really good project. I really, um, yeah, I, I had I never gonna, heard of Fredo yeah. before this, but yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of it. Like the st- the Fredo stuff I've heard before, I'm just like, yeah, it's cool, but you know, I wouldn't listen to a whole album of it. But um, you know, since you gave it so much high praise, I might give it a spin. And I knew it was an EP by Dave, but like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I I didn't know, I don't really know what 
weight to give that. You know yeah. what I mean? It's still yeah. Freddo, but um, anyway. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give I'll give it a spin. And also that chip out money to spin as well. I, oh, yeah. I, I did see that, but I need to. I didn't have the time. Uh, but um, yeah, so this is the first like proper good week, like proper just like it's the first blockbuster week of the of the year. So uh, I'm very happy about this week. Uh, start off with friend of five E Ian Kelly Kells is D E A D. Um, classed it as an EP, but it's half an hour, so you tell me what it is. Uh, that side is a clean album, completely produced by uh, Soul Council member Eric G. Eric. Um, and yeah, Kells has this, um, look, Ian Kelly, because Kells is dead. <laughs> Ian Kelly has this, uh, uh, super, the Oakland, uh, the, the Oakland voice, man, like him, Too Short, E40, GQ, and all the others, like Kamaya, just all of them just have such, I don't know, I just love their voices like, as Oakland rappers. I just love the Oakland, uh, the Oakland tone. But, um, yeah, he just comes through with some real nice wordplay. Soul of the Soul of a Man is one of my favourite track this year. Um, it, it just bangs so cleanly. Uh, there is a One Time, which was on Zion 5, the uh, Ninth Wonder uh, instrumental album. So that's the only track not produced by Eric G. But uh, yeah, apart from that, it's all Eric G. And uh, you got some good features on there from the Jam Family, from Heavy Victoria, GQ and Ruben Vincent. And yeah, solid projects. Arlo Parks, Clapton Sunbeams. Um, yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad I, I wanted to give this to Ben just for the fact that I knew he'd know <laughs> other people that sound like her. Because the only, the only like, realm in uh, that I could pick from is, like, Lily Allen. And y- you can understand that when you listen to it. But, um, I, but Ben has much more, uh, better, uh, much better um, examples, I, I think. Or, co- or comparisons, let's just say that. Like, stylistic comparisons. But, yeah, the poetry on here is just um, real nice. I love her vocals. Um uh, what's the what's the one, what's that one track I really like? That's one track. It's not. It's, it's well, I like I like it all. To be honest, <laughs> let's, let's be real. Let's get out of the way. Uh, but um, uh, just go, just go. Bangs. Love that track. Uh, love the. I just love the beat to that. Uh, but yeah, this whole thing's great. Just really personal. You know, stuff about um, you know, certain emotions. Uh, forbidden love. I I just I just really like it, and you know, people cri- well critics have given her the uh, voice of a generation thing, and all the reviews I've seen about it have you know touched upon that um, to either embrace it or dismiss it, and it's just like, how about we just not not even talk about it because it's uh, you know it's a bit you know she ain't Kendrick like let's, let's let's be real about it. She has been very I would say um, overhyped, but not in the negative way, just in the fact that okay guys we, we we get it she's good like she is good right but it is you're putting too much pressure on a debut album here that's why i feel anyway but um yeah it's a great album very worth a listen uh vanilla point break ep just a little uh a little care package from the homie vanilla uh real interesting uh summary beats uh yeah definitely be spinning that in the summer uh, Alchemist Carry the Fire, um, yeah, similar to Ben Nancy, um, you know, it's obviously 10 minutes, a lot of uh, Olympics, uh, Olympics, uh, what's the word there, uh, sampling in, in some ways, just, you know, referencing the Olympics, and obviously the whole look of the cover is very Olympics, I think it's 92 that he's referencing, um, I forget the year, but uh, yeah, obviously Carry the Fire, carrying the, you know, Olympic torch, etc., etc. You get the gist. Uh, Madlib Sound Ancestors. Uh, I feel like I need to listen to this again because I don't think I was in the proper mood to, or I was just doing things, you know, and half listening to it. So I feel like I'm, 
I'm not going to give it the best, I didn't give it the best opportunity, um, but from what, I li- from what I heard and what I, you know, gleaned from it is that, uh, you know, Madlib has this real just, uh, there's an article that I'm going to read on what's good about what, about Madlib, and it was a very interesting read about, and someone referenced him as like a, uh, like a, a, hist- a historian, uh, a, hist- a historian in a way, for like going back and you know, grabbing stuff from grabbing stuff from history to make the uh, future fan of tomorrow or something like that. Really, really poetic. More than that's better, better said in the quote. But um, you know, he there's a lot of there's a lot of flavors here, and I think that's why I was very lukewarm on it while listening to it because it was just like I'm listening to it, but I'm doing work, and then it's just going to something else. I'm just like, wait, what's going on? I can really get a uh, uh you know, just a, a grasp on it. So I feel like I need to let's do it again. But um, you know. It's Madlib, so, you know, always deserves several spins. Uh, Celeste, Not Your Muse, another debut um, from another highly uh, uh, crit- uh, critic-loved uh, artist. Um, I love her voice, man. It's just so, 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 just oh, so clean. Um, Strange is my favourite track on here. It reminds me of, like, a um, Nicholas Bratel's Moonlight uh, uh, soundtrack. Uh, but, you know, you have um, Stop This Flame, which is, uh, you know, a popular track that... Um, has been used in many things. Uh, I think uh, one of the one of the football uh, shows uh, use it as a, as their thing. Uh, but yeah, it, I, I got the there is a deluxe edition which has a lot of other stuff, but only to the actual standard edition because uh, I just didn't have the time to uh, listen to uh, the the soul duet version with John Baptiste. I'm I'm cool with that. I'll, I'll listen to that some other time. Uh, but yeah, man, this, this has some real just. It's like some James Bondy type music, and there's one track. I think it's a kiss. Where like she the music stops and just she lets her voice fucking go, ooh ooh the chills on that boy the chills I got on that one, tasty absolutely tasty, um and uh, yeah it's, it's just real, it's it's got good messaging as well and it's uh, just a super solid album so shout out to Celeste, and lastly Alakai Harley the Red Room intro brackets Yard Gal in a Britain, um. Yes, uh, Ben. When I say this is Room Two music, do you know what I mean by that? No. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't, but I knew I knew you wouldn't, but I just wanted to ask regardless. Um, it might be it might be on Urban Dictionary if you want to go go look up what Room Two is. But uh, yeah, this is a big Room Two like album. Like if you if you if you know what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you you know what I'm talking about. Basically, in most um. Uh, in most uh, popular nightclubs here in Britain, uh, there's the main room, where it's just like you know the popular club bangers. But then there's the ro- then there's a second room. There's always a room two, and the room two is for the good shit, bro. It's the it's the good shit. You're getting your hip hop, you're getting your R and B, you're getting your Bussawayan music. You know what I'm saying? You get all their vibes, all the black things, bro. All the black things. So yeah, this is literally just a full on room two album. Like every all, every track's just like man takes me back, takes me back to just like room two, just, uh, 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 damn, super, super sick, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's got some Jamaican vibes, obviously very heavy Jamaican vibes, uh, so Alakai has uh, roots on that front, um, you have like Tony Matterhorn, uh, legendary, uh, uh, you know, Dirty Wine from, from Dirty Wine fame, uh, Stefan Don's on here as well, it's a nice uh, collab, um, it's, they're very similar as artists, I would say, um, but uh, you know, they obviously have their different quirks, 
but yeah, man, this is great. Super Jamaican. Uh, you know, get get some bars on there. A couple of R and B um, numbers. You know, little little slow wine uh, numbers, little fast wine numbers. But yes, it's it's got great variety. Great variety. Shout out to Alakai. And yes, we shall move on. With that, we shall move on to our topic of this week. And we are doing MF Doom, a little retrospective. Uh, we're going to do his solo work uh, this week, and then we'll do his collaboration works uh, next week. Uh, but for this episode, it's going to be a little different in terms of how we usually do our retrospectives. Um, you know, obviously we could do the usual thing and go like for, you know, just certain tracks and uh, the, the, the just why why it's why it's such a good album or why we enjoy it what we learn from it stuff like that but we're trying we're going to try and use this uh, particular episode to kind of um zoom out and paint a picture of doom's overall uh overall artistry and his world building and universe creating um so a little bit more on that as we go along. I think you'll get. I think you understand where we're coming from on that fashion when we actually talk about the albums themselves. Um, I, for one, will just say that um, I am a supreme novice on this shit. So I'm. Ju- so I know we're all suddenly. <laughs> nah, that's that's rude. <laughs> I know we're all doom stands. You know now uh, is what it is. But just let me live. Let me breathe. Right, give me some room. I'm learning on this one. Okay, so if I make some assumptions on some shit and you go, nah, you're fucking wrong, da 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 da, please feel free to DM me just so I know that you're actually listening. Uh, that'll be great. And uh, I'll promptly throw your opinions in the bin. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. I am I am a novice in this shit. Just let me breathe. Okay, just wanted, just wanted to let that out. But anyway, we shall jump in. And we shall head off to Sydney, Australia, as always, to Ben's research house, and uh, for just for more details. So, what have you got for us, Ben? All right. So, I'm gonna save his origin story for the part two of this episode. So, we're gonna do it in two parts. So, we're gonna do obviously, as Charlie said, we're gonna do solo work this week. We're gonna do collabs next week because collabs is a very important part of Doom's career. But yeah, uh, the origin story is fascinating. But I'm gonna save it for next week. Uh, because I think in true Doom fashion, I want to keep a little bit of a mystery here. Or, you know, as much mystery as you can keep in the age of Google. But, you know, Doom existed prior to Doom as Zevlov X, who was an unmasked young rapper. And he focused heavily on, like, bending syllables and playing with rhyme patterns. Uh, but, you know, just I'll speak more about that next week, obviously. But just know that prior to Doom... He was he was active, you know. There's a whole what nine year career prior to MF Doom and the Mask and everything like that. So MF Doom appeared from his label enforced exile, and he popped up at I don't know how to pronounce this New New Yorkian Poets Cafe in my Manhattan. I don't know how to pronounce. It. Apologies to the New Yorkians Poets Cafe, but he came, he popped up right, and he had a stocking cap covering his face in an open mic night. And thank you to Hua Su for that information. Uh, that was his point piece in The New Yorker. That was a great piece. I really enjoyed that. And this was the, the genesis of MF Doom. This was 1997, and he just popped up, and this was the beginning of The Masked Man. Now, before I get into each character, because Doom plays you know, different characters, I want to explain the concept and the influence of the, the kind of like comic book character marvel world that doom has created so mf doom is merely a character created so that 
he could construct a whole narrative universe without being pigeonholed or boxed into a particular concept or sound. I will paraphrase his explanation from the Red Bull episode. He says, Coming from one particular character all the time makes a story boring. I get that from, I get that from novels or movies where there are multiple characters that carry the storyline. It might be bit written by one writer, but it has multiple characters. The more, the better. They might even disagree on certain things. I think that a lot of times, in hip-hop especially, artists get pigeonholed into certain things, and that's limiting. The skits and the records tell the story. There are intervals, like cut scenes, and then the story flows much better when I have multiple characters to portray. So again, before I get into specific characters, I just want to talk about how he goes about constructing a rhyme and why this is essential to the world he created. That New Yorker piece said, uh, interpretation of the sum total of his musical alter egos, a through line that knitted together all these characters. Uh, his music has shrouded was shrouded in mystery, yet there was nothing to hide. He explained that he was an author, but there was no deeper meaning. The characters did whatever they wanted to do a series of left turns to throw off the devil's pursuit, which is pretty, you know, it's, it's, in, it's in the New Yorker, okay? It's like, it's a little bit journalistic, a little bit, you know. So what it means, basically, is that it's not a specific, like, it's it's not uh, it's not Harry Potter-like, you know? It's not like there's, there's an ending and there's a start and then we're going to work our way to the ending. It's more of world building and it's more like these are just individual characters in a free will they have free will within these worlds so they, they pretty much can do whatever they want they can say whatever they want they can contradict each other there's not like a, a an actual narrative thread running through the entire thing it's kind of like i'm going to create this character these are the conditions he was created under uh these are the characteristics characteristics he has now let's see what he's like in the world let's see how he reacts to certain situations and this kind of tracks with the way that Doom describes constructing a rhyme to Red Bull. He said, it's basically like, basically like having a conversation with different parts of himself in his mind and, you know, reacting to situations mm. around him, making jokes, thinking of funny stories and then reacting to them. And I found that really fascinating because, you know, I have an inner dialogue myself and I'll, you know, there's usually only two voices speaking. Um, and that's not like in a, cra- <laughs> it's not in a crazy way. Like I'm not hearing voices. It's like, you know, it's like a bit of call and response. Sometimes you say something and then you think, oh, that was a bit silly, Ben. And then you're like, oh, who's that voice? You know, but hey, Doom ben, seems- it's second voice. <laughs> but Doom seems to imply he has, <laughs> you know, he has multiple perspectives running concurrently in his head. And this is how he begins to construct his narratives. And, I, again, found that interesting because you'd imagine him really sitting down, right, and penning these concepts and fleshing them out before laying them on wax. But he just creates rhymes, beats, and skits in a similar way. You know, he builds them from the ground up and he keeps building them until he's satisfied they're at the right height, but with no distinct plan prior of the direction he wants to go. And he said this is how he constructs the skits specifically. And, you know, the skits are legendary. And I'll, I'll quote him directly here. When he speaks on the the storyline that the skits carry, he says, The pieces tell tell me the story, so I don't know the story yet. I find one or two pieces reference a subject matter, and it keeps telling me more and more. And then I join the conversation towards the end of the process, and I might add one cherry on top. Once I start looking for one word, that's when it's done. And yeah, he said that he was inspired to create these kind of skits and stories, which he actually calls audio collages in the early 80s, listening to late-night mm-hmm. radio shows. 
So one particular station he said he listened to was the Zulu Beat Show, and he said they used to spin records that would have voiceover pieces over it. So he said, for an example, they would have Funky Drummer with Monty Python on top of it, like really totally left field. And, you know, he called it another layer of digging and it kind of inspired him to add these extra layers for listeners to, you know, dig themselves. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the characters before we dive into the albums, but I'd be interested to know, Charlie, as a, as a Doom novice, what you, you know, what your thoughts on that are. Because I, you know, and I'll just say this before we get into that, like, certainly artists have definitely used alter egos before okay so cool keith with dr octagon you know rizza with bobby digital uh prince rakim bobby steels odb had some ghostface had tony starks you know and, and doom and ghostface would collab or that that album never came out raekwon had lex diamonds so wu-tang would definitely had this whole alter ego thing you know method man had johnny blaze uh and of course tupac had machiavelli uh, which he released under, mm. he released a whole album under that, you know. That was his second number one album in, in 1996. Slick Rick would kind of inhabit characters at will, but, you know, he was kind of really the first mainstream MC to go this deep, but he never built wor- worlds the way that Doom did. You know, Slick Rick would tell stories from different perspectives, but Doom created full characters and then sent them out into the world. And I guess. You know, it, it shouldn't really be revolutionary because this is fiction, this is storytelling, and this happens in, you know, the written word all the time. But in hip hop, I can't think of anyone else who has set out to actually do something in this way, and I can't think of anyone since either. You know, before or since. So I think it's a very unique way of going about being a hip hop artist. Yeah, I think it's um, it's definitely something that has been done you obviously mentioned several names but in in this case it's more about the uh it's more about the depth in going into them it's literally it that's all you're getting you're just getting these these certain characters and nothing else so you can get kendrick lamar right and you can get uh uh kung fu kenny right but with mf doom you're getting not MF Doom. You you're either you're either getting Victor Vaughn, you're either getting Ghidra. You 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 get in those, and that's it. You're getting the characters. Like you you can get Cool Keith, right? And MF Doom's just like I guess. Um, I I would see I I like to see this whole thing as like uh in in, in circles in some way. So like the biggest circle is just like MF Doom, right? And it's just a it's just a it's just a masked dude that we see uh, uh, all the time, just on a regular basis, right? And then you just... its Or an iceberg. I don't know if you've seen, like, the iceberg. I don't know if it's a meme. It may be a meme. But, like, uh, there's, there's an iceberg thing that people do in certain communities where um, you have, like, the sky and then the tip of the iceberg and then below the iceberg and then deep below the iceberg. Uh, and it's, it's supposed to be, like... A, you know, the meme stuff that you know about is the stuff of the sky and the really obscure shit about that community is in the is in the doldrums of it. So I feel like it's that for, for Doom where, like, you know, we all know MF Doom and that's in the sky, but then you get to, like, you know, just the tip of the iceberg and that's, like, Ghidra and then Victor Vaughn and that, and then you get much deeper and then you get into more shit. I feel like that's what Doom is, and I don't think anybody else has done that uh in in that way where you have these layers of just like 
if you want to be uh, all about Doom, you really can if you really want to. And like all the information's there. You just have to go decipher it for yourself. And uh, it just requires a lot of energy and it requires a lot of... Uh, um, it requires a lot of reading. It requires a lot of listening to actually like see the uh, see the threads that he's left for you. Um, it, that, that sound it just just from that sounds really fun to me. Um, but, uh, it's kind of like what we're talking about during the bias episode about due diligence, where you know if it if this is if this whole thing's fun to you, then why wouldn't you want to dive in more? And you know the obvious the the basic reason that we came across is that. You know, some well, I don't think we said this, but some people just don't have, uh, don't want to put the time in. Um, but for someone like Doom, in some ways, it's essential if you really want to get it. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's something that if you if you if you have fun with it, then shit, man, you got a lot to chew on. There's a lot to. There's just a lot. <laughs> that's kind of all, that's kind of all you can say. It's just it's a lot. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of it, so uh, you know. Yeah, we're so about to see a lot see, of meat on the bone. We're about to see how much because uh, I want to talk about the characters and Doom actually gave like a really decent uh, explanation about them in an interview. So okay. I'm gonna leave Zevlov X off because that's KMD days, and I want to kind of deal with that next week. But remember that Zevlov X okay. was. See, you know this is the crazy thing about Doom. All right, I know him as MF Doom. I can't pronounce his real last name. Dumalay, Dumalay. Yeah, it. all right. That's that's the wild thing. I've been listening to MF Doom since like 04, and I cannot pronounce his last name, Dumoulay. So Zevlov X was Dumoulay's first character, and whilst it was just a rap name like LL Cool J, his right. work developing these characters later in his career kind of gave it a status in the Dumoulay universe canon, if that makes sense. You know, it even though it, it, there is no real canon, as that piece in the New Yorker said, it's just kind of a bunch of characters experiencing life. Zevlovex still had a persona. And because we've, you know, MF Doom is not Doomalay. So, you know, Jay-Z is Sean Carter, okay? And, you know, we could go into, like, where that crosses over, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, Jay-Z is not a character that Sean Carter has just created that doesn't exist in the real world. I mean, it's just his rap moniker, you know, and sometimes he will exaggerate things within that. But with MF Doom, it's not Doomily. It's just MF Doom. It's a villain. These are all fully constructed fictional characters. That's what I found fascinating. So we'll talk about MF Doom first. Uh, this is These are, when I'm going to say this, this is all paraphrased Doom words from the Red Bull interview. So he said he's the old school OG old timer, the villain. He's a typical villain you have in any story where a lot of people misunderstand him, but he's always looked at as the bad guy, but he has a heart of gold. He's for the children. He's like a Robin Hood kind of character. He's loved by the people, but the powers that be don't like him. So then we get Victor Vaughn, who is, Doom says, similar but younger, like 18. He's a whippersnapper. He thinks he knows it all. A lot of the time he disagrees with Doom, but he still looks up to Doom. So I see Victor Vaughn, this is me saying like, as a kind of a younger version of Doom, you know, a more headstrong, a more erratic at times uh, version of Doom, mm. a little bit more villainous as well, because I think Doom is a little bit more calculated where Victor Vaughn is a little bit more, you know, he's a little bit looser with codes and concepts and things like that. Then we get King Ghidorah, which I find wild, man. So... 
the whole direction is like he's not even from this is this is Doom's words again. The whole direction is like he's not even from Earth. He's from outer space. He channels the information to Doom in order for Doom to produce and whatnot. So Doom gets the messages from Ghidorah. Ghidorah is not even on Earth. Ghidorah is straight reptilian. He will be a 300-foot, three-headed dragon, golden. It's from the Godzilla films. It's the villain films. Ghidorah is a classic bad guy, real strong. They have to jump him at the end. They end up chasing him away. But when you look at it, Ghidorah is stronger than all of them. But he's the oddball. So that's him. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Metal Fingers is Doom's production alias. But just... A couple of things before we go get into the actual albums, and um, you know, Doom is always at the forefront according to Doomalay simply because of the timing. So I think he probably felt like Victor Vaughn and King Ghidorah would have further chapters before you know Doomalay unfortunately and tragically passed away. So I feel like, and you know, there are things we're going to talk about next week that Doomalay went through around the 2010s that were genuinely traumatic. And so, you know, you might think, well, Born Like This came out in 09 and there wasn't really anything solo until he, you know, when he passed. There were extenuating circumstances and they were horrific. And it would, you know, kind of, Dumoulin's had a pretty fucking rough life, man. So I I personally think that there was probably a goal to make more Victor Vaughn and King Ghidorah albums, but... It just didn't happen, and I think Doom was going to be the one that he fully fleshed out first and then, you know, would break off into these different, but it didn't eventuate. Um, and also about the mask. So Dumoulin said that his characters wear the mask because he wants to be judged by what he says, not by his appearance, and that he felt hip-hop was beginning to be bogged down by appearances and losing, like, the essence and the words and the content. So, you know, he, he felt like artists were being marketed because of their looks, and he didn't want to be marketed because of his looks. So that's the that's the mask thing. So um, we can get into Operation Doomsday. Did you want me to set it up, or do you want to jump in with your own interpretation? Yeah. Yeah, set it up for me. <laughs> All right. So, you know, this album is a classic. This is his debut album as MF Doom. It's got an 83 review average. Every single track is produced by Doom himself. I feel like it's one of the best fusions of hip-hop and jazz ever concocted. And I find the final track to be really interesting, like hero versus villain. So a few people have asked Doom why he prefers to portray the villain rather than the hero in a story. And he often says something along the lines of this track. You know, the idea of good and evil is way more nuanced than just good and evil. So for Doom to be a hero, though, under that mainstream definition, he can't do any wrong. You know, and he said that this is so limiting to character development and growth. And that's a huge part of Victor Vaughn because, you know, you're looking at MF Doom as being the grown one. And, you know, I assume the goal would be to show how Doom got to that point via Victor Vaughn, you know, to show like this is what Doom was like at 18 and this is how he developed his code and developed his Robin Hood characteristics. So this album is, of course, laser focused on villainy. You know, the opening skit actually sets up the Doom character really well, saying that Doom had threatened the world leaders with the destruction of every major city on Earth. And it makes you think as a listener, like, where the fuck is this first song going to go? Like, you know, you listen to that skit, it's like, it's so evocative. It's like, whoa, what the fuck is this? What am I listening to right now? And, you know, Doomsday then really highlighted the method that Doom spoke of in those interviews. Like, he raps as if different parts of himself are talking to each other. 
Now you're bound to go three plat came to destroy rap. It's an intricate plot of b-boy strapped. Like it's it's like it's definitely that braggadocio, and it's certainly rooted in the real world. Because I guess what you think is like, uh, you know, when you hear a skit like that, you're like, all oh, right, this is going to be like some sort of like deep concept album where it's going to tell this really uh, constructed fictional story. But it's almost like Doom's existing as a rapper in the real world, and this is just it's very weird. It's a very weird dichotomy. And, you know, obviously the skits create this weird dynamic where mm. Doom actually, the Doom that we're hearing on Wax seems a little bit disconnected from these grand sweeping statements. Like, you know, Doom is always the focal point of either some sort of adoration or adversarial talk. You know, like uh, back in the days with Mr. Fantastic criticizing the genius Doom for his equations. And then on Go With The Flow, the very next song, Doom is back with this super braggadocio rap. Like, it doesn't feel like it has a lot to do with the skit, if that makes sense. Does that make, like, it's almost like we're hearing like a normal rapper just rapping braggadocio, but the, the, the thing before, we're hearing about this super villain genius and his equations and stuff like that. So uh, it's very interesting, but it's some, it's, it makes sense somehow. I don't know how to explain it. It just makes sense. And I think this album just really highlighted that dichotomy and, and randomness of his creativity you know whilst uh food is a solid concept album and his albums are under other names really assume their characters on this like doomsday feels like the most free-flowing you know the most natural uh there's no yeah. preconception you know so rather than the skits guide and the concept they merely inform the concept the content so like they provide the listener with a bit of backstory that adds intrigue and mystery to the central figure which is doom and exclusivity as well you know it's it's kind of like that that skit is like the news thing that we would see like the the headline like doom threatens world leaders and then the next song we hear doom like talking to us it's it's very weird it's like he's letting us in on a secret and i think it's a great dynamic and it's it's quite unique i i certainly haven't really heard anything like that in hip-hop you know before yeah um i i'll probably I'd agree with you on the point in terms of the first point you gave in um, uh, one of the best like uh, hip hop and jazz fusion kind of albums, and I've, I don't feel like I don't I feel like people actually see it as that uh, in in usual conversation. I, th- I for me the track Hey usually is like the the track that I kind of see this uh, as a tale of two in some ways it's not like perfectly balanced uh, hey is obviously the 12 tracks so it's a bit down the line but when it got to that particular track and that particular uh beat it just sound it just gave me this um i mean i mean the fact that it says doom are you awake in the ne- in the foot in the track before right and then you have hey where it just has this dun 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 it's just it feels like he's just come through the door in that way. Uh, that's some. That's a small thing that I just uh, gleaned from that. Um, but overall, I, and this is kind of a, something that I wanted to note um, as a, just as the first thing and going through uh, through these. Have you noticed how like there's always one like female feature in like midway through each album? Yeah, that we that we're going through. Oh, I found yeah. that very interesting. Like I, I just I just I. I, I constantly noticed it because i was just like huh this is a, <laughs> it's just one female feature 
and it comes through every time in like just the like midpoint of every album. I just found that very fascinating. Uh, I was I was just saying I noticed throughout, but um, yeah, man, this is um, it's probably my it, just as a basic uh, point. This is my favorite album out of the probably out of the five that we're talking about. But um, yeah, man, the uh, it it go it goes all over it goes really all over the place in in, a, in but also stays concise it's probably the most concise i'd say um and the most uh cohesive i'd say that's the word but um yeah so <laughs> it's a is it's a, it's a great one to be honest I, I feel like it was the most um i feel like it was the most fleshed out i'd say uh in terms of its storyline uh that but that's just me though. That's, that's that's kind of how i see it um considering he adds i don't know how long how long to uh to do this and then the others come in very quick succession especially the next two we're about to talk about but yeah i feel like it's in terms of narrative it's probably the most fleshed out yeah i mean i'm gonna go through the doom albums first and then i'll do victor vaughn and then Ghidorah, because i think you know just to want to okay. keep it in like the 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 world but then we get obviously mm, food which um i think is a top 10 hip-hop album of all time and like i i genuinely feel that way i know it's not for everyone because uh, I discovered this cool statistic and I sent it to Charlie last night because he was, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blow his spot up, but yeah. Anyway, so from the I'll end of myself. Deep Fr- the end of Deep Fried Friends <laughs> to the beginning of Konkani, there are eight straight minutes of skits and samples. There is no Doom vocals in that time. Eight minutes, and I have never skipped it. To me, it's like watching a movie. It's crazy and. You know, this album is actually a fully-fledged concept, the idea of food being a huge part of our humanity in so many different ways. And it kind of becomes a game almost, how much Doom can use food to describe real life. He actually drops 62 different types of food in this al- on this album. 32.8% are snacks, 39.7% are carb-heavy, and only 15% could be considered healthy. So over 25% of all the words on this album are food-related, which is quite a lot, you know. And I really love this album because it's it's quite world-building for the Doom character. Like, there are really poignant personal musings on here. Like, Deep Fried Friends is a really important listen. Like, this is the supervillain, okay? Remember, Doom is the supervillain. He's the one that's going to blow up entire cities. And he's rapping... Be too nice and people take you for a dummy. And Bar's like, I checked the dictionary for the meaning of friend. It said person, one who likes to socialize with, sympathize, a helper. And that's about the size of it. Most of the time, these attributes is one-sided. That song is that song is really um, intense. You know, I've had some issues with friends over the years, and it's it's quite a uh, it's quite a deep track. And then obviously we get you know rap snitch niches which has the legendary bar, you know, sit in court and be their own star witness via Mr. Fantastic. Like that, that's the classic, you know, and I really think, yeah, as I said, this album really highlights the nuance of the villain. Uh, On Conqueso, he raps, train a sane brain to an insane train of thought. On a campaign trail, he came to gain your support. Like it's you know on vomit speed he he goes in he speaks about poverty and he he feels like uh, it feels like he was speaking heavily on his own exile after his brother passed away which we'll talk about next week but um you know bars like at least I got to sit out in New York curse stupid plead the fifth sip wine stiffly patiently come up and be spiffy in a jiffy 
you know, it's just like, it's just typical like Doom wordplay, but I felt like this was a much more personal record and yeah, he, he just inhabited so much on this album because as a villain, he can offer us a perspective the hero never can. You know, the villain can always indulge in the good. The villain can always be good in certain ways and give us some game from the other side, you know, but the, the hero can't do that. The hero can't do that without compromising themselves forever and losing their hero status. The hero can't go and be criminal for six years and, you know, hurt people and, and rob and steal and stuff like that and then come back and still be the hero. But the villain can be good. The villain can do good and still be the villain. So I really like that, the way he played with that on this album. is a very personal record. All right. Um, so the the, the, the blow-up spot that um, Ben was referencing was the fact that I was listening to this while walking the dog. And I was, I was just throwing the ball about and it came to obviously after the Fry Friends and it came to the eight minutes of skits. And I was just like, I, I was just talking out loud going, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I was like, what is this? Like, why, why is what, another skit? What is going on? Like, I was just constantly just chatting, just like, why? What is going on? Like, when, when, what is this album doing to me, right? I was just I was asking so many questions. I was like, I would say, so if you could, could you please enlighten me why there's eight minutes worth of skit? Do you know? Because I just need to, I don't need to know like the whole thing, but like, I just need to know why the, how the fuck do you have the nuts to do, to do, give me eight minutes of, 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 in the middle of an album, I'd say, like, you know, this is different from like, I don't know, uh, 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 I can't think of another thing you build. Like usually the the long shit comes at the end, right? But in the right smack bang in the middle, you have five tracks of good shit and then you just and then and then it's just 8 minutes of just pure skittery. I I don't understand the absolute stones that someone would have for that. And I'm wondering, am I the only person that's had that had that uh, happen to them when they listen to this for the first time and they're just like is this it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a story, right. man. Like it's. I mean, I, 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 um, um yeah. food is not like you're not going into this thinking it's a Buster Rhymes album or it's. I mean, even Buster Rhymes has skits. It's a bad <laughs> example. It's not. It's not a Hove album. It's not. You know. It's. It's a story. It's a. It's a fictional piece of content. And and the, the you know the thing that I find about uh, and I'll talk about it when we get to King Ghidorah. But like everything gets equal footing in Doom's uh, creative universe. So beats get an equal percentage as lyrics, get an equal percentage as skits and samples. They're all equal. There's no, you know, there's no, uh, he's not giving more time to lyrics. He's not giving more time to beats. He's not giving more time. They're all part of it. And I think it's quite unique in that sense. So for eight minutes of skits and samples, it doesn't matter because it's it's part of the album. It's part of the concept, you know? And it's like, you know, I, and I don't want to say this, but like, at the end of Mortal Man, where there's the interview. I mean, that's cool. That's chill. And again, there are people out there that might not continue to listen to that after the first time they ever heard it. You know, they might have heard sure. Mortal Man and been like, all right, I heard this. I know what they're going to say. I don't need to listen to it again. And it's the same with the skits on this album. The problem is they're right in the fucking middle. So if you're going to skip, it's pretty tough. You need to know what to skip because you skip a song and it's the next song is a skit. You skip that song and the next song is a skit. And you're like, oh, where the fuck is Doom at? What's the fuck? So, you know, yeah. I can totally understand that. But personally, I always listen to Mortal Man all the way through and I always listen to the skits here because it's the story, you know. I find it I find it interesting. All right, well, 
the re- well, I, I say that, and I'm glad you said it like that, and, gla- and I'm even more glad that you mentioned Mortal Man, because I was going to say, I was going to mention that as an example, but for some reason I didn't bother saying it, but that was the first one that came to my mind. Uh, but I'm glad you said all that, because this is why, um, th- this is why this kind of level of artistry is so valuable, because I, I don't have... How, how do I word this? You you don't have to uh, for for some pieces of art, right? There comes that a moment where you have your decision made on what it is, and sometimes y- you either excuse me, you don't want you either, you, you want to love it or hate it. You don't want to just go. It's all right. You never want to go. Excuse me. You never want to go. It's it's cool. You know what I mean. You never want to. You never want that. Um, you want a visceral reaction to it, and with that said, this gives me a fucking visceral reaction. <laughs> it gave it gave me a bloody visceral reaction. I will tell you that for a fact. So you know, I I'm glad you came back with that retort because that's kind of the overall point I wanted to make of the fact that even though I did not enjoy that middle bit of just like and, and exactly how you're saying it, me asking that question like where to do that um that's kind of the point i guess in this um journey that i'm currently having in this moment live uh, live learning right here because it's it is what it is and you need to um you need to digest it in a way that you don't with regular stuff and i'm not saying the regular stuff is bad or anything like we all listen to regular music but this isn't regular music, is it? It's, it's something like it's a it's, it's an art piece. It literally yeah. is an art piece. Yeah. So and it should be seen as that. So um, I'm glad I'm glad we di- I'm glad we did that just a little bit because uh, I I wanted to make the overall point about what this actually is. It's not my first reaction was it shouldn't be what it it shouldn't be your first reaction because that means and you know I did this so I can say it. I went about it the wrong way of seeing it as just like another album, but it shouldn't have been like that. So, little 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 life note for you guys. <laughs> don't be like don't be like Charlie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the food the food the food stuff is um mad fascinating just from a creativity standpoint and the variety of it. Um, that is uh, a worthy just a, a thing to shout out again. So yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I find this to be, I find that to be his best album, even better than Mad Villainy, to be honest, but um, I don't know, I've grown up with Mad Villainy and that album, and uh, yeah, I mean, then we get onto Born Like This, and um, this is a different album, you know, it's uh, firstly the feature list, like, he has Raekwon and Ghostface on here, but, you know, I, I, can't, I can't remember him really spitting next to heavy hitters like that, can you? Like, I can't really think about it that much not in his work no yeah it's it's rare so i felt like um this is just a like almost a dumalay album you know i feel like uh, gazillion ear might be one of the quintessential doom tracks though you know just going off in so many different directions over a genuine dilla beat you mm. know like so I, I found this this album interesting because i felt like um it almost felt like this was the end of Doom's arc. Like it was, it was like at the right at the start. It's like Doom was really separate from real life, you know. And those skits 
were kind of showing that he was this real out there character, this real supervillain, this kind of like comic book supervillain guy. And then the lyrics kind of kept bringing him closer to reality. You know, it was like, this is a real person. This is a real character who exists in the real world. And we know that not to be true, but that's that's an artistic device that he seemed to use. And I felt like on Born Like This, even the title, you know, even the title is very uh, autobiographical. And this felt like Doom's most uh, straight up rap album, you know, straight up like this is Doom Malay. This is a mm. normal rapper. Doom is just the moniker. Doom is just, you know the jay-z or the whatever like your that's your rapper name you know it's, this is Dumoulin. so i felt like that was um it's it's probably my least favorite doom project uh i don't know why it just doesn't feel like it has that sense of ceremony and sense of concept about it and kind of that tension and kind of push and pull between the central figure and the good and the evil and and like dipping into his code and showing us like this is you know this is where he's good this is where he's bad it didn't really have that kind of intricacy that i felt like the other albums did um it's still a great album and great production obviously incredible lyricism but i felt like it was a bit of a step down from you know i mean probably i think mad villainy would have been the album that came prior to this so it's it's a little bit of a step down from that level of skill and content you know yeah, um the thing I came the thing I came away from this album was um that it had this uh I I I think similar to what you said, like a kind of like an epilogue feel to it where it's just like the the story has been uh this is kind of just like how we're going to see the end of the story so to speak. It, it's it's the epilogue of uh, doom in in such in 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 this way, um, I would say that um, a track like a uh, a track like Bathy Boys um, <laughs> threw yeah, me off. That, see, that's um, that's definitely a doom track, man. That's like a straight up <laughs> character track. Like that's that you know be, you yeah. wouldn't want a rapper putting out that under their actual <laughs> name. That's that would be that would be concerning. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a getaway it's a getaway track on that fashion because like you listen to it and you're just like, um, uh, <laughs> like there's a, there's a squirming there where you're just like, oh okay, uh, but you know once you actually look into it, it's more it's it's about the you know you put the super super villain uh, superhero uh, angle to it and then it makes much more sense, uh, but yeah. <laughs> When it when it comes to just the intro to it, it's like it's just people going like you know, uh, what's the big idea? I have no ideas. In fact, I'm quite bewildered. Now, don't get gay with me, gay sir. I'm far from gay. <laughs> Grown men in a rubber suit. It's just yeah, you have the yeah, you have the, it's obviously worth uh, thinking about it in the in the uh, in the universe. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, that was a very uh, that was a very risky track, but I rated that. Um, but yeah, I think I feel like the um. Uh, more rhyming than that's that. I feel like those two tracks really gave like a, I don't know, it's like a, it kind of adds to the epilogue thing I'm giving this, where it's just like here's a supernova of just like bars for you, before before I before I take my leave, in some ways, because that's that is one of the most stupidest, the the most stupidest tracks I've ever seen in my life lyrically, I just, just just reading the shit. 
just blows my fucking mind. Like, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. Like, I, it's... <laughs> Already woke, sped a joke, barely spoke, rarely smoke, stared at folks when properly provoked, mirror broke, here, share a strawberry morning, gone and important spawning, torn in, poor men sworn in, Cornish hens switching positions, auditioning morticians, sawing a vision, ignoring prison, ignoramus endless and sound dumb. <gasps> Found the drowning cows, dumb cows, crowns flung, rings a tinkerbell, sings for things that's frail as a fingernail, bring a scale, stale ginger lingers, seven figures in vigor. <laughs> what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like that, and that's just coming to the end of this, and it's just like, just those two tracks in particular. Um, and I know there's a few more afterwards, but that, that just, and, uh, you know, Supervince has a Postinus as well and other people on it. But those two tracks in particular just really, really like capped off for me, and the others just felt like um, I don't know, just like uh, uh, roll credits, I guess, uh, in in this kind of movie. Um, but yeah, I I also give this like album. I th- I feel obviously you said the characters, you know, supposed to be like the older version here, and then you obviously have Victor Vaughn who's like the younger version, right? This gives me like. Uh, I, I do get, like, an old head kind of vibe with this. Uh, not in, like, the negative way, but in just, like, the elder statesman kind of way of talking about certain things. But still sticking to that um, character balance of, you know, being Doctor Doom-type character, supervillain-type character, um, but just a little bit more seasoned. Uh, so yeah, I, f- I find this album actually very fascinating um, uh, uh, to listen to. Um, I actually quite, I actually quite enjoyed it actually as a, as a, as a, as a, a, bit, a basic take on it. But yeah, so um, I was kind of impressed with it to be completely honest. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean it's 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 solid. It's solid. It's, it's a solid album. Um, we talk about Vaudeville Villain next, which is the Victor Vaughn album, and. Uh, you know, I think that I think that Doom uh, carried the concept really well. Uh, he also didn't really create a rigid and rule-based character with Victor Vaughn. You know, it's certainly the youthful exuberance is abundant on this album. Like Dumoulin was around 32 when this album was released, so tracks like "Let Me Watch" have that added degree of difficulty. You know, recapturing mm. how it felt as a teenager, especially for an artist like Dumoulin who has gone through so much difficulty in his life. You know, for for an artist to be able to tap back in and those embarrassing kind of things you do and say when you're younger, you know, it's, it's not the easiest thing to lay down on wax and the easiest thing to revisit and re-inhabit. So I think the youthful side really comes out in the kind of free association of his bars. Like his mind is much quicker than his mouth. It's like he can't <laughs> finish a thought before he's catapulted onto the next one. You know, like Lickapon and Saliva are great examples of this, but... Um, it's not like Victor Vaughn doesn't care or has no principles, you know, even though he is a villain, there's a definitive code. And there are also some vulnerable moments like modern day mugging, which is about robbery, but he does allow us into kind of why the robbery is occurring and giving us a bit of perspective on Victor Vaughn's villainous acts, you know. It's still a comedic track, of course, but it has like really sharp visual elements, which I think is definitely a calling card of Dumoulin and Doom to really pack multiple angles into a song you know we saw that on um food where you wouldn't think that the character of mf doom is a foodie that's a weird thing you know for a, for a super villain to be a foodie like it's, mm. you wouldn't think that but like there's just another narrative angle to it and 
the I guess those full narratives of song can kind of get lost in just the joy of listening to him rhyme and and the vocab size and the rhyme schemes because no one else was doing it like this I mean you know we talk heavily about Earl Sweatshirt these days and where do you think he got this shit from man like this is like he's spoken so much about uh the influence that Doom had on his career and certainly like watching those videos of Earl and Tyler at the Doom show just like rapping word for word these like super tight complex rhyme schemes and just rapping them like that it's just wow that's it's it's really impressive and um yeah I think like that 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 narrative that of each of these songs gets a little bit lost and and we kind of miss it like the you know the journey he goes on during Never Dead or the disagreement he has on Ray Dawn and it kind of also hammers home those songs, especially the lack of maturity of Victor Vaughn, but also the spontaneity of youth. Because you you think about that that the way that mechanism works, you know, we constantly say you, you lack maturity, and and when we look back at ourselves, our younger selves, we're like, man, we were so immature and we were so childish, and why the fuck did we do that? But you got to remember the spontaneity of being young. Like, you just do shit. You just bounce from one thing to the other. And, you know, you're out on a night out and someone says, let's go here. And you go there. And, like, it's just, you don't do that when you're older. You think the consequences in Doom does that, but Victor Vaughn doesn't. You know, it's it's almost impossible to even see him as a villain or a negative figure because it's so imitable. Like, it's like you, you really see yourself as a younger person going through a similar kind of thing. And I think that that, to me, is really fascinating because... Obviously, we get MF Doom. He was the fully realized version of Victor Vaughn. And Victor Vaughn is the beginning, the genesis of that and how that began. And it's confronting at times to see MF Doom and be like, okay, he's a supervillain. He wants to blow up cities and do all this. But he's also a real person who's a foodie and he cares about his friends, you know, and he he has, you know, nuance and niceties in his life and he's, he, he can be a, a gentle person at times. And then you see yourself a lot in Victor Vaughn and you're like, oh shit, well, <laughs> I mean, where, where am I going to end up? Like, I, I did similar stuff to Victor Vaughn. I went on these kind of journeys and I got into disagreements with people that were stupid at the time. And so, yeah, I think bringing it back to that re- relatability whilst also keeping that malevolence is very hard to do, but he does it, man. It's, it's quite masterful the way he does it on this album. Yeah, um... I feel like in the production itself, like, there's this, um, I, I can't really describe how the flavours change, uh, but it's oh so slight compared to the Doom albums. Uh, there's this, um, I don't know, there's like this, uh, th- there's a darkness to it, uh, but there's also a... a it kind of reminds me of like one of those really abstract graphic novels. Like it's just weirdly it's it's just drawn in a weird way, like it's very erratic. Uh something like Mouse, uh the the, the really classic uh, graphic novel. So it's kind of like that mm. where it's like mm. it's really it's got really grungy uh it's got a really grungy style to it. But it's still, it's, you know, still similar kind of production to the Doom albums, but it's just a different there's a, there's a more I don't know it's, it's a different flavor to it. I found that really fascinating. I couldn't I couldn't really like describe it properly, but it's it's very fascinating. Um, the Let Me Watch uh, track really really out really shined to me, um, mm. as and kind of 
caught me on the hey hey oh yeah oh right there's a there's a woman in every uh, in every uh, there's like one female feature every time it's really weird and I feel like this was the one that really just caught me. Um, so you know, as he goes on a date with uh, his cousin's friend's friend, and you know, it just they just go back and forth with it. Um, I'm I'm just uh, seeing how many verses. There's ten. There's ten verses. Probably. Yeah, it's a long one. There's ten verses. It was so. It was. It's literally so. Yeah, it's it's super stacked. And you know, shout to uh, shout to a a, a Pony B flyer by the way. Like she fucking you know, she gets it done on that fashion, right? Um, she she goes bar for bar. Um, and the refrain on here is, uh, I'd rather masturbate than fuck with Vic Vaughn. And, yeah, that, that was just, um, that, that, <laughs> um, it ma- that made me chuckle. Because it really gave that, um, yeah, just that uh, growing up kind of vibe of uh, super uh, fuckboy kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Real fuckboy mentality uh, <laughs> and, all, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just a, it is a fascinating album. And I feel like it's one that deserves to be listened to uh, when you're uh, when you're older and when you're younger. You know what I mean? So like you can you can listen to it when you're older and you just uh, you completely, you know, see that. And like you said, you know, just like looking back to yourself, you're just like, raw, I was doing the exact same kind of shit. But then when I, I I would find it interesting for someone to listen to this when they're like seventeen or sixteen, and you know re, you know providing that they understand everything, um, how they would react to it, I, I would just like that uh, I don't know just that random uh, experiment, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm twenty four so I'm kind of in the middle. But uh, you know it's it, it's just it's just a really fascinating concept and. Uh, I think done really, really, really well. And I would have actually been interested to see more of that. Um, just like exploration into how Doom sees youth um, and how Doom how Doom sees, you know, the concept of coming of age. Because um, I feel like there's a very, uh, a different way uh, in his eyes compared to most, but also relatable in the same, in the same fashion. Uh, but... You know, we just got this one as it as it is, and uh, it's very it's a very very well fleshed out concept. I will say that. Do you get do you get an evil feel from Victor Vaughn on this? Like, do you feel like he's an evil character? Evil in the way malevolence. Evil in the way. Um, <laughs> evil in the uh, in the cartoon way. So like Dexter's Laboratory kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. where it's just like. I, I'm going to take over the world, but I'm, I need to go get dinner. <laughs> like, mum's calling me for dinner. You know what I mean? It's just like that that, that school kid that's uh, planning on world domination, uh, but still needs to wash dishes. <laughs> like, I feel like it's that. It's like a it's like a unthreatening uh, uh, ambition that's like, oh, that's cute. What a, what a, what a, he wants to dominate the world. Look, look at this kid. He wants to... Uh, like, there's a... There's, <laughs> I see this uh, one... Uh, one episode of Family Guy where like uh, uh, Stewie creates like a time machine, and he's he, he's written the uh, he's written the schematics on a piece of paper, and like the adults steal it, and it's like, look, this is where the flux capacitor goes, and all this stuff, and it's, just, it's like, yeah. no, 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 give it to me, give it to me. It's just it's just like that. It gave me that kind of vibe. So yeah, it's like it, there was a there was a villainous vibe, but it was a very like 
uh, it was like an unthreatening kind of way, uh, but also just convincing at the same time, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that's well said, because I think, yeah, I mean, certainly on the next album, Venomous Villain, I won't get into it too much, but I definitely got that, I don't know, like, yeah, the kind of cartoonish version of it, like, it's it's really not that serious, it's just kind of like, you know, and, and that's the, I guess that's the term villain is a thing, you know, it's like, it's not it is evil, but it's so constructed and contrived and it's safe in a way, you know, the villain is the, it's like the archetypal character. It's, it's not the person you see on the news who's murdered 10 people. It's, it's kind of like this, that threat of evil, but it never really eventuates. It never really comes to pass. And I kind of feel like that a little bit with Victor Vaughn and, you know, Doom actually speaks to Vaughn on this album a few times and kind of like has a conversation with him and, it's really interesting the way he says, you know, it's it's good that people can recognize the difference between the two. You know, it's good. He says that it's good that people can like kind of see the the uh, that they're separate entities from each other. Um, and I think you know they are obviously doing would have been thirty three when this album Venomous Villain came out, and and Victor Vaughn was probably like eighteen, nineteen. So yeah, I think this is just a continuation and. I have not listened to it very much. It's not on Spotify, I don't think. So I've only listened to it on YouTube a few times. But um, I enjoyed it. You know, it's just typical, like, the lyrical ability of Dumoulin is just mind-boggling, as always, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, it's not on Spotify for you. That's a shame. Oh, yeah, it's not. No, is it on there for you? Yeah, Ford Phil Villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. No, Venomous Villain, the second one. Oh, right. Yeah, that's not on there. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, King Ghidorah, Take Me to Your Leader, final album we talk about today. Uh, it's how you say so, it. Yeah, Ghidorah, Ghidorah, is that how you say it? Ghidorah. Ghidorah. It's said um, so many times in different ways on the album itself, and it pisses me off. I'm just like, how the fuck do you say it? Like, can we have one say one way of saying it? But anyway. Yeah. yeah. You just got to run with it. Run, run with whatever feels comfortable, I reckon. I, I mean, I think Charlie, Charlie's is better. Charlie really inhabits that, doesn't he? King Ghidorah was originally on the underground collective Monster Island Zars, which was founded by MF Grimm, and it had 24 members. This was like way back in the late 90s. And Take Me to Your Leader is another album that I feel like kind of right on the edge of a classic. And it's really different to anything Dumoulin did around this time. You know, it's way more freeform. There are entire instrumental tracks that are just allowed to breathe without any skits or any overlaid content. You know, five-minute instrumental tracks that are just loops. Just let them play, you know. And um, Pitchfork said that he only drops two verses or two verses on two of the 13 songs. I feel like it was three or four. I didn't check that. But it's certainly a tiny portion. The, the Doom vocals on here, or the, sorry, the King Ghidorah vocals on here are low. And when he does rap, like on Phases, which is a really iconic song, there's so much tension and energy in his delivery like it's a really aggressive cadence uh which is something that we don't often hear from Dumoulin um he might not be lacing his bars with you know wholly different content to his usual but that new delivery really adds a slightly malevolent quality to whatever he says and I think the production on here is essential like it's it's godlike as always but I think the King Ghidorah character is displayed really vividly by the beat selection and, you know, a lot of them are just short loops, but they have this iconic status now in hip-hop via, of course, the special herbs 
box sets, which are just fucking amazing. And I think viewing them through the character lens of King Ghidorah, which is something I'd never done before. You know, I, I know all these beats from Special Herbs. I've listened to Special Herbs a lot, and I never really listened to King Ghidorah that much because I didn't really understand the the narrative differences, and I didn't really get the concepts. But going back and listening to the beats through that lens, it's like, wow, man, um, you know, there's there's more fanfare, but there's also more anxiety in these beats. There's more tension. Uh, like, you know, Fastlane sounds like a, a Hunger Games victory lap. Um, the final <laughs> hour is, is genuinely extraterrestrial. You know, it's something like a 1980s sci-fi movie would have. It's, it's really alien-like. I found Antimatter the, the most fascinating because... I feel like it really humanized King Ghidorah, and yet he's not a human. You know, that's not what he is. He's a giant reptilian thing. Um, I, I just found the fact that he doesn't rap very often in this album interesting, and the fact that he still manages to... And this is... Remember, this is a character that we haven't seen before. We've seen snippets, but we haven't seen... This is not a fully-fledged Victor Vaughn, MF Doom, Zevlov X character. This is just someone who... You know, we know the backstory of a little bit, but... We don't really see this person very much and we haven't had all these skits about it and you know all this like world building and yet it still feels like a King Ghidorah album and that to me is um, indicative of the what I said earlier about the skits and the samples and the beats and everything having you know equal footing where he could just pop up on a couple of tracks on this album and rap and still create an entire world based off just the tension in his production and um it's again i keep saying the word but it is masterful it's like and and masterful implies that you really are sitting down and trying to like do this intricately that's wild that doom doesn't do that he just kind of makes stuff like he starts from the bottom and creates from the ground up he doesn't just sit down and pen out this whole thing this whole plan and then sit down and try and execute it perfectly he just creates and yeah that to me is a sign of a genius this one really uh uh, and this was kind of after the fact because I really enjoyed the album listening to it and then I hit Ben up about it and we were just like talking about it and I was just like <laughs> and then I, I mentioned the I mentioned the food stuff and how pissed off I was about that and then he told me that like there's barely any verses in this and I was just mm. like and I didn't even clock for some reason it was really weird um <laughs> I was, I was I was really thrown off by like what he gave me on that front, but um, yeah, I I I really like the I really like the fleshing out of all of this of this album. Uh, I just really like the mixture of like Godzilla meets Area Fifty One, uh, kind of kind of <laughs> kind of blend. Um, I literally just have like uh, a a Godzilla type thing in my head as I listen to it um throughout and I really enjoy the um I guess just the storytelling of it even though there was <laughs> even though it was, uh told mostly through fucking skits uh but you know it shit I enjoyed it I enjoyed it the first time and then Ben told me that and I was just like, well, you know, I just I I just have to take that, doesn't I don't know. So I'll eat my words on the on the food front, because if I can enjoy uh if I can can enjoy Gidra, then I'd have to enjoy food as well. But obviously that's not how it works. But yeah, I found I found like this particular one just like really um just 
uh, such a uh, what's the word? It it, ta- it takes a lot to like have faith in your artistry to like do this kind do this kind of album, right? To have just such a uh, like sa- uh, sample heavy, uh, you know, verse what's the word? Uh, uh, sparse like kind of album. That goes, uh, that literally goes very quickly when you listen to it. Like it really goes super fast. It it just comes by like a uh, like a shot. But the storytelling in it is really really fleshed out, and it's probably the uh, probably my f- uh, what my favorite concept I think out of the three. Um, just from how different it is and how unique it is. Like I don't really know anyone that's done like a like people do. You know humanoid kind of uh alter egos but i don't think anybody's done like a fucking uh godzilla kind of space alias <laughs> uh character before so uh you know just on that front it's just fucking uh superb but yeah man just listen to it it's just super cohesive and just goes across like a uh go, goes down like a like a fine whiskey so uh yeah man amazing yeah, I mean, yeah, no, well said, well said. I think, um, I mean, it, when you, when you, when we get to this point, I feel like we need more to talk about. Do you know what I mean? Like, it feels like really only MF Doom is the one that had that story wrapped up. I genuinely feel, yeah, like Victor Vaughn had more to come. Maybe there he was going to face the consequences of his actions, you know, from a younger as a younger person, or maybe he was whatever. Like maybe he was going to start recognizing that you know maybe some of the stuff he said was problematic and toxic, and that he would change or whatever. And then with King Ghidorah, I feel like in the opposite direction. Like maybe he was going to get even more messed up and even more, you know, thirsty for control and power and bloodshed and things like that. But didn't happen and i always wonder i don't know that i've heard any interview with uh Dumoulin where he said that he had plans to fully realize these narrative structures and these full narrative arcs but i don't know even just then even like hitting that and and i'm going through um vaudeville villain and just reading the lyrics right now and just i don't know just interested because when i asked that question whether you, you felt he was evil or not and i thought to myself like i never really got the evil side, but then I thought, well, he is a villain, and then I also said, you know, I see a lot of myself in Victor Vaughn, I'm like, oh, am I, like, I'm not evil, am I? Like, I'm just, you know, a bit of OCD checking, like, am I, <laughs> did I fuck up? But I'm like, and when I read it, I'm like, this is just, he's so young here, and I really feel like I needed a little bit more, and obviously, you know, what I need doesn't matter, is it's that Dumoulin didn't, didn't finish it, and for whatever reason, I never saw an interview where he explained whether he had plans to finish these narratives. But it's just like the fact that he could create a character like King Ghidorah and only do one album with it, and it still feels like that needs more. You know, that needs to be fully Mm. realized that he created, and he barely rapped on that album, that he created such an intriguing and engrossing character with just one album. And I don't know, man. It it left me feeling pretty flat just then when we finished that. I'm not sure why. I feel like really Doom's the only one that I feel kind of, you know, was wrapped up. Well, Ben, you know what you need to do? You're, 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 you need to, <laughs> you need, you need to demand more out of yourself, man. You need to, you need to 
demand for another where's the another where's another Victor Vaughan album? You should have been doing that, bro. You should have been no. you should have been like every other music fan and, and demanding oh. demanding another another edition yeah. of whatever they want. Like where's the album? Where's the album? You missed your chance, uh, so you I know, know definitely now. But uh, yeah, man, that's <laughs> all I got from that. Was just like, so you're basically asking him to do another. <laughs> no, you're just no, trying not to I'm be. Just, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, you're not trying to no, be that. You're not trying to. You're not trying to be that guy, but you're being that guy. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, I never thought of it before then, but then I kind of felt like just then I was like, oh wow, we didn't get more, and yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we we I got mean, heaps of Doom of, I mean, content uh, afterwards. Uh, yeah, like we I mean, got yeah, yeah, Key yeah. to the Cuffs. We got you know Neruvian Doom. We got Sarface. We got plenty of stuff. But like, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, that's gonna be fun. That's actually gonna be crazy. Like, I I think uh, I I think I'm gonna enjoy. I, I think I'm gonna enjoy next week because uh, I I I enjoy the collabs, uh, pound for pound probably more. But uh, just just from enjoyment, not from obviously from like an artist's perspective. But you know, it is that's the life of an artist sometimes, bro. Like when someone, it, some people just have a lot of stuff, and it's never finished. You know, and sometimes it's just left unfinished, and you are left with the uh, you're left with the mystery of what could have been, um, and that's certainly the case in his solo work. Um, less so his uh, collab work but yeah man it's, it is what it is and it's just one of those uh it's one of those stories of a true artist that had so many ideas and not enough time to actually fully um and and I don't I don't want to say it in like that way where like <laughs> oh, I didn't flesh it out it's incomplete like I mean it no, is no, no. fact I mean it is but Let's just be. Let's just you know account for the fact that the the stuff we have gotten is you know better than a lot of people's uh, attempts at a concept. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some people just have like you know the the character that just you know raps angry, right? Uh, but this dude has a full on just fucking you know three three character universe right going on on top of. Uh, references of the Fantastic Four and uh, and Godzilla references and just other shit. It's just it's fucking outstanding. It's absolutely outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree entirely. Next week's going to be a lot of fun. I think um, it's going to be a little bit more freeform and we're just going to... That villain is going to be an interesting one to talk about, especially after we did... Uh champion sound the other week and um <laughs> and madly just dropped too you know like so uh-huh. yeah it's yeah. gonna be um yeah madly clearly wants a retrospective from us that's basically what he's doing right now madly needs a retrospective just, at some point uh, i mean yeah he's got like fucking 30 albums so that's gonna be fun but yeah it's gonna be <laughs> a rough one it's an eight-part yeah, yeah. series wu-tang style <laughs> we will do the wu-tang one one day <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh i i feel it's like gonna... this once we start it it's, we, we're gonna have to like do it in little bits and like not in like a weekly thing like we have been doing like we have to just like yeah it, it's gonna have to be like intermittent it'll be six months we, it will be a six month block of wu-tang ah oh, bruv no 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 gosh imagine oh gosh no that's too much i'll be so i'll be drained by like the first month bruv i'll be so fucking drained too much wu-tang too much wu-tang <laughs> 
there's only so many showerly references I can take. Right. <laughs> I'm not light Oh gosh, Ben, have you got anything? Uh no, I don't really have anything. Uh, but you haven't been getting into the... Dogecoin stocks, mate. To the moon. No. To no, the fucking I know. moon, bro. Well, didn't Dogecoin just like get fucking tanked the other day as well on top of like everyone? I feel like with those kind of things, it's such a risk because like, you know, in hedge funds know each other and hedge funds kind of know the landscape and they know who's going to sell and when they're going to sell. It's kind of like when it's just random people on the internet, whilst I'm 1000% for it, I'm all here for it all day, every day. If you're, you know, costing billionaires money because you're playing the game that they've been playing the whole time, I'm here for it forever. But you don't know these randos on Reddit. You know, you could say, hold the line, hold the line, and then it gets to 10 cents, and then they all sell. And then you're fucked because you don't know what they're going to do. You know, theoretically, they should all be holding the line. And and if we all come together and work at it, we'll get this valuation up. But, like, at what point do you go, oh, my investment's now worth 15 times what it originally was, and I don't really know what these random Reddit people are going to do. So maybe I I should sell. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, in the end, I, I don't see it doing that much damage because, you know, obviously with the, the short squeeze, people are going to have to, like, hedge funds are going to have to cover their position, which will actually cost them genuine money. But yep. in the end, I, I kind of feel like it's a bit of an aberration and it's going to pop back to where it was, which is sad because, you know, someone does need to start looking at these, the way that this works. You know, in Australia, for example, and I don't want to get too economic here, but you know, our, our treasurer came out and said, oh, we don't need to continue welfare past March because Australians saved $200 billion during the pandemic. And like 89% of that was by people who were in the top 1% of wealth earners. Like that is so dumb. It is so dumb. Like this whole system is set up that if you make money, you make more money. And if you're poor, you're always going to fucking be poor. So mm. I'm all here for anything that kind of tries to you know, changing imbalances and, and bridge inequality a little bit, but it's going to have to be more systemic and more structured than just some Reddit people buying stock, you know, <laughs> unfortunately. But it was fucking fun yeah. to watch, man. I, oh, I enjoyed gosh. it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've been, I've been just, I've just been looking at all the videos about it, about it honestly. It's, it's been mad, mad interesting, interesting to learn. Um, Kind of pissed I just didn't, you know, just jump on the bandwagon like the first day or whatever and then just like dip out the next day because I would have like, you know, would have... Would have been lit. I would would have got some decent peak. Would have been got some decent peak. And, you know, there have been good stories about it. Like people have been like donating like, you know, half their earnings, well, earnings, <laughs> half their winnings because basically it's gambling, let's be real, it's uh, to um uh, to like charities and stuff, you know. So there's been, have, there's been good stories that have come out of it. Um, But yeah, just the overall sense of like this is really just a. I think I feel like this is a uh, like something I like to do uh, when I see a certain news story. It's usually politically. I usually put, I usually like uh, re- retweet or whatever or share it, and uh, I just put this is what this is what they think about you. Um, to quote the uh, the uh, the start of a uh, no Vaseline. Here's what they think about you. Here's what they think about you. And I feel like this is another one where it's just like, here's what they think about you. Because for a hundred or so years, this has been their game, right? This has been it. Like, where yeah. they just, they, oh, oh, we lost something? All right, let's just change that rule. All right, just on yeah. the whim. And then just put it back. Yeah. Like, literally, it's literally goalpost moving. 
um, literal yeah. definition of goalpost moving. And then once you know someone else, a regular person outside the outside the uh, uh, the, the 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 bubble, so to speak, um, or the echo chamber of uh, Wall Street Bros. Um, you know, they're just they, they they all call red flag and breaking rules. Ah, oh, breaking rules. You know, it's just it's funny. It's it's just so the the hypocrisy is just super clear. It's just crystal clear. Eight K curved screen, sixty five inch. That's literally what it is. It's so fucking clear right there. Uh, OLED. <laughs> it's just it, it's super clear. So um, you know, it's it's been interesting even... to see it. Do people even care about hypocrisy anymore? Because it's like it's at this point, uh, it is so overt. It is genuinely like <laughs> one day your uh, my prime minister will say something, and literally the next day oh. he will say the exact opposite, or he mm-hmm. the, the exact opposite will come out. And it's almost like it doesn't even matter. And what I've what I'm discovering is certainly when I talk to people, and even in personal relationships hypocrisy doesn't seem to matter that much anymore it's like you know someone might say something in an argument or a a discussion and i'll be like actually that's exactly the wrong thing like you've lied now you've you actually said something completely opposite to what happened and it doesn't matter to them you know it doesn't that's not an indictment that's not something they need to apologize for they say well you know i didn't remember that it's like oh well you know or now i feel differently or something like that it's like no, like hypocrisy, but it doesn't seem... To, I don't know, I, I, I don't see it being that big of a deal anymore. And I, for me, it's a massive deal. But certainly in the news and in politics and in you know social situations, I haven't, I'm seeing it matter less and less and being less of a red flag and less of a negative thing. It's just like, meh, whatever, whatevs. It's, put simply in how I see it, it's, it's hypocrisy when it doesn't, when it doesn't suit you. Like when when the, when the okay, well, well, sorry, it's hypocrisy when it suits you. Like when you yeah. see hypocrisy and you can benefit from it to make your point, um, then yeah, it's like hypocrisy alert. Da, 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 you know, it's just, so it's easy to, um, you know, call shit out when uh, you care about that certain subject and you see the bullshit for what it is. But then, but then, what happens when you see the bullshit for what it is, but you also i guess gain something from it whether it be you know actually prime like literally you first hand getting uh, the benefits from it or just like third hand to uh, uh i don't know to benefit your world view on everything um mm. so you know i feel like that's what it is is selective um more it's getting more and more selective uh there was like one there was one thing I saw today, literally, that reminded me of uh, hypocrisy. It was just like this uh, U.S. senator talking about like the uh, Secretary of State that's coming in, and they're just like, um, "Oh, he's literally as bad as the one that was previously here." So you're basically just told on yourself that you selected a dude that was complete garbage, yeah. and yeah. now you don't want that garbage. That that how, how you explain it, you don't want that same level of garbage now. But you previously confirmed that garbage in your because it benefited you. So it, that, that's literally that in a nutshell. How I see most things, where just like you know, if it benefits you, uh, oh hypocrisy, where? where, 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 where? I can't see it. Let me let me put on my glasses. Ah, oh, my glasses broke. Oh, I, can't, I can't see. I can't yeah. see that. Yeah. Then, uh, but but then when it's uh, yeah, but when it's uh, doesn't benefit you, like you throw that fucking red flag way up in the air. And you you throw that vigorously. But that's life. And from the Fifth End Podcast Network, that's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. 
part two of Doom com- uh, coming up next week. Uh, I've been Charlie Taylor, Fifth Element. I've been Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. <laughs> I was about to say an investment joke. I'm not even going to bother because oh, it's, it's gambling. No. Investment is gambling. There you go. Uh, <laughs> have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Peace, you poor people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, look, investment is... Just relax. Investment Just the investment is not gambling, man. But keeping your money in the bank. I'm getting like 1% interest right now. It's a mess. I'm poor. I, I need to invest. I don't know what to invest in. I need some Dogecoin. Are we still recording on this one? A little bit, but we can, we can leave it at that. <laughs> I don't want to leave it on poor people because I'm poor too. <laughs> I didn't want people to think I'm some elitist snob. I'm mad poor. <laughs> All right, On peace. Until the next time, take it. <laughs> All right. Oh, gosh. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for this show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. Let's cheer off records for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and cheer off records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth and podcast network and hip hop by numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. I'm digging in the digits.